I live on Zoom and I love the connections that I have with people all over the world, but I crave that personal local community connection. And I'm like, I need to meet other business owners in my neighborhood. You know, like I want to meet them for coffee. So yeah, I think we're all craving that more. Hey everyone, today in the studio, I'm joined by Taylor Shanklin. Uh, she's the CEO and founder at Barlele. Hey, Taylor. What's up, Noah? How are you? Good. That's like your professional intro, but we're also good friends. I was recently on your podcast. So if you're interested in our background story, I won't, we don't need to go into that here. You can go listen to that podcast episode. We'll leave it in the show notes of how Chipotle and comedy in Chicago, <laughs> that collision is how we met uh, and have become friends. We're also birthday buddies, which was a shock, yes. but makes sense. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've just been good friends. And I love talking marketing with you. And on the Unplugged podcast, we really want to get into the weeds and talk about the real stuff. There's no fluff. There's just diving into it. But before we get into that, I want to know what was the first brand or marketing campaign that made an impact on you, Taylor? It was probably I want to be a Toys R Us kid <laughs> as a child. <laughs> I mean, like it really worked. That was you know, a great I asked, one. I haven't thought about that forever. <laughs> I asked my mom to take me to Toys R Us a lot, you know. Um, I don't know the jingle. It's still just, I want to be a Toys R Us kid, right? Like it just stays with you. It was simple. They were consistent. They ran it a lot. So I guess if you ask the first one that I really remember, maybe maybe that is one. It's funny how those like audio clips, if committed to can have such an impact. I think about like Aflac or I think about the yeah. new one that my kids always sing and they don't even know what it is, but they're like Liberty, 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 which is like for Liberty Mutual, I guess. Um, but just those little clips, they stick in your heart. So I totally forgot about the Thank Toys you. R Us kid, but I was also a Toys R Us kid uh, and everyone wanted to be one. Well, you and I probably went there on our birthdays at the same time, not knowing it. You know, we were worlds yeah. apart from each other. We didn't know each other yet, but we had that same birthday. And we were probably both at Toys R Us on that day, you know, often in our childhood. Yeah. This isn't the podcast for this. <laughs> this is a whole different episode. But what happened? <laughs> Toys R Us. Gone. <laughs> they went bankrupt or something, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They went bankrupt. Yeah. They shut down, I think. Gosh, they had good marketing, though. Good marketing when we were a kid. Uh, and speaking of marketing, how did you get into marketing? Like, how, how yeah. did you get to where you are now where, you know, you've done marketing, you've consulted on marketing, you've helped others do marketing, and now you're running a marketing firm. So, yeah, how did you how did you get into marketing? The short answer is that I needed to find a career that would pay the bills. Um, <laughs> when I first graduated from school, I was working in the music industry and decided that, well, you can either make it big in this industry or you can sleep on your friend's couch for the rest of your life and decided that it was time to go back to school and learn, get some technical skills. I was always a creative. So growing up, I was a singer. I wrote songs. I wrote a lot of poetry. I was in the school musicals and the plays. Like I was very creative and that's probably what took me into that journey and, you know, trying to get into the music business. But then I decided, again, I needed like a technical skill. So I went to graduate school and started learning web design, started learning about PR and communications. And that took me into my first job really in marketing 
with a nonprofit technology company in 2007. And so I just kind of fell into it a little bit after, you know, then deciding like, I need to. So it kind of gave me this uh, way to channel my creativity, I think, and also live in the real world, you know, and pay my bills and that sort of thing. So that's how it that's how it started. And then I just grew with it. And it's funny, it's ebbed and flowed over the years and along my career in terms of where I have sat within the role of marketing. So I, at one point was like, I started out literally just like helping to implement people's email campaigns for nonprofits and helping to build their little microsites for fundraising campaigns and things like that. Then I started consulting and doing more strategy. Then I actually even moved into project management for a while where I was the one that kind of helped make sure all the projects, all the different people working on a campaign or a huge implementation were working together. And eventually, I, this was like a, the big part of my kind of growth happened at Convio and then BlackBot. I stayed on through that acquisition and eventually found myself an opportunity there to go into product marketing. I hadn't traditionally been a marketer at that point. I'd always been in the services side of the business, just helping lots of different clients really kind of do marketing. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't like in corporate marketing at the company or anything like that. And so then I said, oh, I should be a product man- marketing manager because I know the product really well <laughs> and I know the clients really well. And that's when I would say my more traditional corporate marketing experience started. And that was in about 2015. And from there, I've just kind of grown in doing various things in marketing at different types of companies, all shapes and sizes. Yeah. And now you you, you mentioned before we started recording that you you took a leap. You left kind of the corporate stability and kind of went back out on your own, but as a marketer this time, not as a uh, singer, songwriter, performer, (laughs) musician. Um, So you went out, instead of a musician, you came out as a marketer. Uh, What are you getting into now, you know, and then we really want to dive into like what you're seeing in marketing. Sometimes it's still about like just helping people do the basics, right? You know, (laughs) not necessarily a, a bright, shiny object, but let's be consistent. Consistency authenticity, being human and approachable in your marketing and your messaging and just how you show up Hmm. is one of the biggest things I would say I'm getting into in terms of just how we consult and how we help clients. Because a lot of times what happens in marketing is there are so many bright, shiny objects all the time. Some are great. Some are a flash in the pan. And you don't always know what's going to be what, right? When something's new. Take, for example, what was that? I don't even remember the name of it now. (laughs) The thing that... Clubhouse? Clubhouse, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe people are on it still. I don't really know. It seems like everyone cared about it a lot. I cared about it at the beginning, too, because I was like, oh, this could be interesting. I tried it out a little bit and then was like, eh, I don't have time for this. I've got to like keep doing the basics really well and keep doing the channels mm-hmm. that I know are already working well and showing up consistently in them. Yeah. The current one is like be real. Have you seen that one? 
Yeah. So I SNL made fun of it a couple weeks ago, which was really funny. (laughs) I need to watch that. So I downloaded Be Real and I deleted it the next day (laughs) because of the same thing. Right. So actually a client of mine, we were talking about social channels and she was like, I'm on this Be Real one now because one of my friends said to do it. And so she invited me to it and was like, go follow me on it. Be my friend. And I did. And then I was like, I'm not going to use this right now. I don't have time for this right now. (laughs) And it's good to explore. And I am all for exploring. But whether this is an actual trend or just a tailored trend, the trend is to focus on things that will kind of really move the needle. Give yourself a little bit of time for like also thinking and innovation and trying new things. But if you get into something and you're like, "Uh, I don't have time for this, I think that's an okay answer and an okay assessment to make. And just say, mm. I'm going to keep being consistent with where I can be consistent right now and where I have the bandwidth. And I'm going to do that really, really well, as opposed to just like, I'm going to try this and this and this. Yeah. And we see that a lot with um, people we talk to in nonprofits and associations is that their approach to marketing feels more like magic because they just do like they're like, oh, we do this and then we do that and then we do this over here and then we try this out and the board member said this Taylor on a podcast said why like let's just go like be curious and explore all the time which is a core part of marketing especially purposeful marketing but I think you're you're onto something is that we don't talk about enough that you need to be consistent more often than curious yeah right (laughs) and that there's there's a blend there of like the curiosity is I think what fuels future growth for marketing but the consistency yeah. is what allows those insights of curiosity to actually matter because you're still in the game. You're still, you know, driving forward and being consistent. So with that, what are the fundamentals? What are the things that like you're talking still to clients or to colleagues about that are still the essentials that people need to be thinking about in 2022 and 23 in marketing? What hasn't changed is truly trying to understand and identify with your audience and why you matter to them and speaking to them in a way that moves the needle for them, whether that is a product that's going to make my life more efficient, whether it's a nonprofit organization that lines up with my core values for the world and change or progress that I want to see made. And so I think maybe I'll break it down into two or, you know, three or four things. One is really just like, make sure that your messaging really aligns with what your audience cares about, right? Because a lot of times I think what happens is we say, we have this feature and this feature and we do this and we have this program and this event and this event. And then you're like, and then you like vomit it in a long newsletter. And people are like, deer in the headlights, delete move on, scroll on to the next thing, right? So how can you be relevant, right? By making the message really more about what actually moves the needle for them. Number two, I would say in terms of channels and digital channels, I think it's important to be, again, be consistent on the social channels that work well for where your audience is and or email marketing. A lot of times, I think we were talking about Be Real, and there's always some new social media platform coming out, it seems like. And again, it's good to be curious and go figure them out and do some future thinking. But it's also really good to say, okay, 
these two or three places are where I know my people really are. And I'm going to show up really consistently there. And I'm going to actually engage there, right? I'm going to converse there. I'm not going to just spit out a bunch of stuff. I'm going to also go engage with other people in my audience or in my network on their stuff too. And I'm going to have dialogue and I'm going to have conversation. So I think that's a basic thing that a lot of times it gets overlooked or it doesn't get done because it takes work Mm -hmm. and it takes time and it takes effort and it's a long game. You know, Noah, you'll hear me talk a lot about the long game. People don't like the long game in marketing and in sales, but the long game is what actually builds sustainable nonprofits or businesses playing that long game you know, Gary Vee, I'm a big fan of Gary Vee. He always talks about like how the patient people are the big winners in life. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you've got to be patient. You've got to play that long game, do the right things, be consistent. I think that there is, I was just talking maybe a little bit of future thinking with a partner of ours recently. You know, we're talking about SMS marketing capabilities and a way to reach people in a channel where they are, where it's convenient for them. One of the things that I appreciate when companies are marketing to me or nonprofits are marketing to me or even my doctor's office is asking me about my communication preferences. When they give me the option, they say, do you want a phone call? Do you want email or do you want text? And I typically now say text because I can read it real quick. I can usually click on the link. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Go donate. Go check in online. Do whatever it is. You know, I've got to get new tires on my car. Even the Jeep dealer texted me like, check in for your appointment on Friday. Great. I was able to do that in like two seconds and not spend all this time on the phone or reading some long email. Mm -hmm. And I like that. So I think that's a big trend that especially nonprofits can really be thinking about a lot more and is probably underutilized. And I think it it's being aware of how your audience preferences are. Yeah. Because it could be that you serve maybe more of a professional or corporate environment where email is still like king of the trade, where everyone's reading their emails for six hours a day. Yeah. And that that's, that's how everyone gets done. It may be that you should be only on LinkedIn because you're talking to a business professional. It might be that you should only be on TikTok because you're only trying to engage younger millennials or, you know, or y- even younger than that. So it's, it is being, you have to know your audience first before you can then choose where to go and be consistent and build Absolutely. and focus on. So, Which is why I like when I'm asked, what are your communication preferences? And then I, as the individual audience member, can choose And then when the organization communicates with me in that way, that's when the long lasting relationship happens, right? Because they're listening to me, the end consumer. So I I 100% agree. You know, it's funny. We just got hired by someone who I just had a, a kickoff call with them this morning. And this company told us that they hired my agency because the three of us working on their account are women in their target demographic. And they said, we hired your agency because you are our target demographic. So like we need someone who can market to those people, you know? And so it is sometimes about just like figuring out, yeah, who who are you really trying to talk to? 
why are you trying to talk to them? What's your purpose in talking to them? And what's their purpose in engaging with you? Hey friends, Emily here from Feather, taking a pause from this stripped down conversation to share a quick story. The International Justice Mission, or IJM, is a global nonprofit with a mission to end childhood slavery in our lifetime. Each year end, IJM runs a holiday gift campaign that gives supporters real life stories of the impact a gift can make. But as another year drew to a close and goals got bigger, the IJM team decided to partner with us to level up their digital campaigns. IJM used Feather's nonprofit marketing platform and support from their Feather co-pilot to launch multiple campaigns around the web to expand their reach to a larger audience. The result, they brought in $109,500, the highest amount they had ever received through digital ads. By meeting their donors where they were, IJM was able to close out a difficult year with a big win. Feather is trusted by nonprofits of all shapes and wingspans, from the arts to animal welfare and everything in between. Don't rely on magic this year end. Use Feather to streamline your digital marketing campaigns and exceed your goals. Learn more and get started today at feather.co. That's feather without the last e dot co. Are there things that you're seeing that maybe used to work that aren't working as well anymore Mm. or things that are underperforming where you're seeing clients divest in or even yourself or like this used to be popular or this used to work really well, but it's starting to be a slog or, you know, you need to really make a, a big change for it to work now. I don't know. Probably the one maybe it's just a thorn in my side is like the just... Not very well thought out, long, cold outreach. When I've never heard of you ever, and you approach me in a way that is just very, I don't know, maybe like I'm thinking of the Badger commercial. I don't think that's working. I think people maybe think, well, you just like, it's a numbers game in that, you know, like it works. Like, yeah, you send out thousands of emails and that nobody responds to, but I get a few clicks and people who are just like, oh, okay, I'll be naive enough to bite on this. I just don't like that tactic at all. I don't think it's on trend anymore. I think that people want more authentic experiences with whatever they're being marketed about or sold or they're buying from a you know fundraising perspective. And that can come in the form of direct mail bought lists. I don't know about you. Do you get many of these? I still, I get a lot of these where I'm like, I definitely haven't given to this organization. You definitely bought my name on a list. And then you send me this long thing that feels like that badger. And I'm just like, nope. So I don't know. That could just be me. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe it works on other people. I, I just really dislike no, it. No, I, th- I, I think what you said, though, about the desire for more purposeful connections or uh, purposeful experiences with brands yeah. instead of more transactional ones or commerce related ones where it is yeah. a numbers game. And that, that has worked in the past, especially when how I've described it is we lived more in like the public square. And so there was like this public square where it was about volume. It was about just how much we can send, how much how much voice can we have in the mar- in the yeah. public square to win. Then we moved to like what I call the personalized square, mm-hmm. where like it was slightly better. So there are different squares, but we still were like, hey, Taylor, 
I'm a badger, you know, but I was still a badger just with like your first name attached to it or like slightly curated, slightly personalized. And I think there was a promise of personalization that we never actually Mm -hmm. landed on. And the response to that, at least what I've seen is we moved into this third phase. We're moving to the private square Mm -hmm. and the private square doesn't allow you in. You can't pay to play. Yeah. You know, and so this might be your text message thread. It might be private Facebook mm-hmm. groups. It might be, you know, Slack groups or private communities or even just like my Thursday night hangout with my friends at the coffee shop. Like you as an advertiser can't get into that. But I'm retreating to that because yeah. the promise of the personalized square was was a lie. I think it was like, oh, this <laughs> is going to be better for you. And it's like it wasn't. And so now mm-hmm. we're like, oh, we'll just shut it down and go into private squares. So yeah. I think. It's really interesting and in how we will then respond as marketers. So I guess my question to you, Taylor, yeah. is like, what are you excited about within marketing or where are you where are you guiding clients to invest more in as you head into 23? Well, I like exactly what you called it, the private square. That is a lot of it. And I think it's figuring out how can we help create that private square experience in mass, right? Because we still got to do that. But how do we create that thing that feels more like an authentic thing to connect with or an authentic space to connect in? I think that consumers want to be in the private square because we are so over notified. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many different messages do you get every day on different platforms, right? Like I can name off, I get stuff on WhatsApp. I get LinkedIn. I get, oh, I've got like three email inboxes to check. I get a bunch of texts. Uh, I've got Microsoft Teams. Um, There's Facebook. There's Instagram. And and those are just, you know, mine because I have chosen to delete Be Real off of my phone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And Clubhouse or whatever. It would be so great, though, if we got a Be Real notification right now and we had to like, (laughs) it it does make it fun. I do appreciate the like playfulness of the Be Real idea. I completely appreciate the idea. And it might be something that I still end up doing. I just decided I was like, I don't have time for this right now. Right. But now I know it exists. And it's still sometimes in the back of my mind, like, oh, I should think about that because a lot of the work we do is social media. So like, I do have to stay curious about this stuff and stick with the trends and everything like that. But I think it is creating that it's respecting people's privacy and then creating something that respects their privacy, but also makes them want to engage in that more private way that's personal to them. Yeah. And then figuring out how to do it on mass. So how do we do that on mass? Sometimes it's more personalized videos using tools like Video Ask, where you can actually have customers, donors, as an example, create videos about their testimonial with your organization. And then you can collect those stories and you can share those authentic stories. It's, you know, creating content that is easy to digest. Again, I think that making things easy to digest and easy to understand is being kind to your audience because your audience is a busy audience because every one of us now lives in this world where we're totally over notified. And I don't care if you're 90 years old, you're still getting Facebook notifications and text notifications. (laughs) So like, it's not an age thing anymore. Cause I used to hear that. Oh, my grandma's not on Facebook. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. (laughs) You know, (laughs) 
And maybe she has more time in the day because she's retired, right? But I do think that all of us are living in this highly digital world now, and we need to be able to think through how can we create a compelling set of content that engages, we can be consistent with, and feels more personalized. Yeah. But I, I like what you said about we were kind of lied to about personalization. Yeah, I just feel like the personalization promise we 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 missed. It, it didn't yeah. it didn't come through. Yeah. Even thinking about it now is like I feel like there's just a lot of letdown. Yeah. Like where you just like thought something was gonna be good and like it just like wasn't. Yeah. Or you trusted certain yeah. structures and they didn't work. Or you, yeah. you know, like we lean on c- companies to provide for us. And then the economy tanked. You know, like there's just like so many things where I just feel like there's this general sentiment of just let down. And I feel like yeah. that's how I feel personally about the personalization promise is I just feel let mm. down, both as a marketer, as a practitioner of personal personalization, and as yeah. a, a recipient of personalization. It just doesn't, it didn't work. We just put a costume on the badger. I agree. Well, it, it is a letdown. It makes me want to go eat a burrito now because I'm a little bit depressed about it. But um, no, <laughs> and watch some comedy. So Chappelle yeah, and comedy. comedy. I'm I like, love it. Oh, I'm gonna cancel the rest of my meetings today. Um, <laughs> but I do think there there are there is hope though because I do think what you're talking about is yeah. organizations are finding ways to build purposeful connections yeah. and purposeful experiences with their audiences. And that's both owned experiences. Yeah. Look at like the rise of Chief, the executive women's network right now, where it's mm-hmm. like they have 60,000 people on the waiting list to join this private community and yeah. to be a part of something where there's actual purposeful connections. So they're facilitating yeah. community as business. Right. There's a bunch of other ones too. But I also think it invites us to earn attention again. Yeah. Whereas almost like we got such in the habit of just like, either buying it or renting it and now we have to earn it and we're like it's so much harder it's hard it's It's like it's like the new you know earned media in the past was like pr and press and all of these other things now i think it's like access to the private square like how do you earn that you know how do you get show showed off at Asheville marketers association private pub crawl next week like you know it's like how do you access these private communities that are formed because people want connection and yeah again some of these social media things fallen through on that and fallen flat and a bunch of these other things have like let us down and so now we're creating it ourselves or yeah. joining someone else's yeah you know i mean it's funny like i've i've been thinking about that even for my business. And I'm like, oh, I should probably maybe go join the Chamber of Commerce or try to figure out if there's some entrepreneurs meetup or something like that, that I can do in my area, just in my local region, because I crave, I live on Zoom and I love the connections that I have with people all over the world, but I crave that personal local community connection that I feel like I don't have right now in this Zoom world. And I'm like, I need to meet other business owners in my neighborhood. You know, like I want to meet them for coffee and talk about these things, right? So. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're all craving that more. Yeah, I do. I do believe 2023 will be like kind of the solidification of the private square and the resurgence of earned, like you'll have to have an earned strategy, which is anchored in purpose. Uh, and yeah. kindness, as you said. So there's a lot in there. I really appreciate your insights, especially the idea that like we have to be consistent. It has to be customer focused and we have to take care of that like 
audience that we that yeah. is giving us of their time and their attention? How do we steward that well? And those are all great mm-hmm. insights for our audience. I'll add one more thing, if that's okay. We need the leaders of our organizations to understand this and to embrace it too. What does that look like? What do you mean by that? So common scenario, you and I are marketers. We're in it every day. We understand this idea of having to earn it. And we understand that that takes time. And I talked earlier about the long game. The person at the very top, the board, the CEO, the investor group, whoever it is, they're saying, but we need these numbers. We need these numbers. We need them now. And what happens is there's a disconnect between the top and then the person, the boots on the ground running the marketing or running the campaigns. And they're trying, these people on the ground, they are trying their hardest to close that gap. They're trying to get there. They're trying to meet the numbers. And what happens often is it's hard and then they don't meet they don't quite get there, right? And then there's more pressure from the top. We need more, we need more, we need more. And you know what that does? That creates political turmoil inside of organizations and companies. That creates a a ton of stress. That creates people deciding to leave, good people deciding to leave and go find something somewhere else. So there's that, I think, is a fundamental cultural issue that we have that needs to be addressed. And I don't know, I don't have the answer now, yeah. but it's, I just want to call it out. It's an issue and it needs yeah. more discussion. Yeah. It kind of reminds like my summation in my head, which may be helpful to other listeners is it's like the collision of how the audience expectations have changed. The marketers mm-hmm. are going through the change management of how do we move from maybe, you know, living in the personalized square to the private square, or however you frame it, just the connected world. How do we add more mm-hmm. purpose? And then there's the kind of downward pressure of, well, like, yeah, that makes sense, but we still need results. And it's like the the collision of these three attributes that's creating maybe some of the other trends we're seeing, like burnout or quiet quitting or whatever label you want to put on it. It's just people are done. They want to cancel yeah. their meetings for the afternoon and go eat Chipotle and watch comedy. Exactly. And that's just the reality yeah. of it. But I think you've provided some helpful insights for those listening here and how they could think about doing marketing through the end of the year and into next year. Taylor, always so insightful. Hey, I'm William Henry. I'm the content marketing manager here at Feather, and I'm here to tell you about an amazing resource we have available for those of you doing purposeful marketing, the in-flight briefing. Every Tuesday, we'll send to your inbox the essential bite-sized information you need to take your marketing strategy from sputtering along to soaring. We think doing purposeful marketing is fun. So even though we'll be sharing a lot of new ideas and linking out to some thought-provoking content, we're gonna make this briefing feel like the most important part of the flight, the snacks. We know you have many options when you fly, so we hope you'll consider joining us in the air. Subscribe today at feather.co slash inflight. That's feather without the E dot co slash inflight. I wanna move into a lightning round of questions. Are you up for some quick questions? I suppose I'm going to drink my coffee real quick. Yeah, that's great. All right. Now I'm good. No, (laughs) (laughs) it's not Cafe Du Monde, but it'll do. (laughs) 
So first question in the lightning round is what book on or relating to marketing do you wish you read earlier in your career? Oh, I wish I had read The Purple Cow when I was like in school. That would have been really, I, I read it a little bit later on, maybe midway through my career. That book by Seth Godin was highly impactful for me. And it's a book that, yeah, I was like, oh, I wish I would have read this sooner. Yeah, it's a great one. A must read for all listeners. Mm -hmm. The Purple Cow by Seth Godin. Question number two in the lightning round is what's your go-to marketing axiom? It could be a belief. It could be inspiration. Ooh, yeah. So I actually take something from Brene Brown on this. Clear is kind. She talks about it in leadership and in her books. I think in marketing, clear is kind. Being clear to our audience is the kind thing to do. I love that. Mine is focus always wins. I like that. Yeah. I have one more I can share. Yeah, go ahead. The other one that I say is launched is better than perfect. So I I came up with that. And I'm sure other people say it too, but I, you know, I had a grand vision of this statement a few years ago and it's something that I really believe. I think it's better to launch something and to learn from it and to iterate than to like never launch because you're trying to get to perfection. So good. And so important in marketing. It is so hard to press send, to press publish, to press, you know, turn your mic on and say something or yeah. to, you know, just put the pencils down and say, hey, it's done. It's so hard, but it is. It's better than trying to pursue perfection because you'll never get there. Yeah. Or at least not without learning along the way. Yeah. What are three songs you can't live without? I stole this from Brene Brown's podcast because I love it. And she yeah. says, you know, in one sentence, what does that mix tell us about you? Okay, so well, I was just listening to this song this morning, and it's one that I really love, and I, I, it's like I need it right now, and it's Katy Perry, Roar. I also really love this song by a guy named Max Frost, Good Morning. Have you ever heard of Max Frost? No, I'm going to look him up, though. And then what's uh, a third one? I don't know, probably a Jewel song, You Were Meant For Me. I love Jewel so much. Like, I just... I love Jewel. I love doing Jewel karaoke and anything by Jewel, basically, especially her early stuff, you know, pieces of me and that stuff. So what would the, that mix, those three songs, tell us about you, Taylor Shanklin? I don't know that I'm all over the place, maybe. <laughs> They're all different. <laughs> hey, that's good enough. We'll just, we'll just end there. Just cut it off right They're there. They're all really different. That I'm eclectic. There we go. You're a tapestry. Yes, there we go. That's it. <laughs> Last question, and then I'll let you go. Okay. Who's blazing trails in marketing? And it could be within nonprofits or associations or purposeful marketing or just someone else doing marketing where you're like, damn, this is awesome. Like they are doing marketing really, really well. Okay. There's this guy named Dave Gerhardt. And he used to be, he was like the director of marketing at a company called Drift. And I started following him then. And then he became the CMO and then he, or something. And then he left and became the CMO of some other shopping software. And then he went back to Drift as the chief brand officer. And now he just started his own company where he's a solo company, where he's like only doing marketing and branding consulting. I highly recommend reading his stuff on LinkedIn. Uh, he writes a lot of stuff about the importance of copywriting. He's just someone I admire in terms of just being really smart and really on point. Again, I think about a lot of the fundamentals of marketing, like he just gets people and how to connect with people. So he's a one man shop 
company now. And he says he intends to stay that way. And he writes a ton on LinkedIn and he has good stuff. Dave Gerhardt. That's a great one. A great follow for those listening in. Yeah. Taylor, always a pleasure to have you in the studio. It's always fun. We always laugh. Even if we are let down, I'm going out of this session on a high. And I know our listeners good. as well. This was like sort of therapy for me. No, it always is when we talk. I like it. Yeah, such enjoyable. Taylor, enjoy your Chipotle and comedy. And uh, we'll have you back in the studio again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Noah. You're not going to like this, Noah. The reason why I think Apple is way better at like making it easy to just put in one do not disturb mode. But yeah. my computer, don't laugh at me because my team laughed at me yesterday when they found this out, is a PC. <sighs> wow. I don't think we, I, I don't even think we need to carry on with the interview. I think the interview is now over because everyone we're going to play this clip at the beginning and everyone's just going to stop listening. You lost all of your authority as a marketer if you okay. don't use an Apple. I'll explain why because I've I've got an iPhone and an Apple Watch and I used to have an Apple computer and then I started. I decided to quit my job and Super start smart. my startup <laughs> out of thin air. <laughs> And I had the last Apple that I had. Well, I have one, but it's very old. And I was using that at first and it was like very, very slow. And the good Mac that I had, I had to send back to my employer when I quit my job. And when I looked at the Mac that I wanted, it was like four grand. And I was like, well, I kind of just quit my job and have no income at all. So I better buy this $800 PC for right now. And it's probably time for an upgrade at this point, And I will, but I just haven't done that yet. Because I actually got a pretty good PC and like it's been really good. Yeah, um, that's great. But this notifications thing is not cool. I probably just lost credibility by saying that, but it's just my honest opinion. But they have Cortana, which is like, sometimes I set her off on accident, you know, and she's like, what? What, Taylor? I'm like, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Cortana sounds like a your aunt that's like really into space travel. And when you said you set he set off Cortana, it's like <laughs> it's like the dinner guest that just explodes like ah, you lit me off, you know, and just goes nuts. And you're like, oh, I set off Cortana.
here she goes or here they go (laughs) yeah oh my god gave cortana too much wine at thanksgiving (laughs) (laughs) cortana now settle down 